Have you ever wondered what questions you should be asking about lease purchase programs? Well, on today's episode of Driven Too Far, The Truth About Trucking, we're gonna find out the top 10 questions you need to be asking recruiters. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, The Truth About Trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. Lease programs are one of the hottest topics in transportation today. But what I've noticed over time is that drivers aren't really sure how to approach recruiters or carriers to talk about those lease programs. So today we're going to jump in and we're going to talk about the top 10 questions you should be asking about lease programs. Oftentimes we get messages uh, through the messenger boards, whether it be uh, Facebook Messenger, uh, maybe an email occasionally, something like that. But uh, drivers are responding to um, an ad for the lease purchase or lease operator programs we run. And one of the first things that most of them do is say, what does it pay? And we've talked about this before, but I can tell you that you know, what does it pay? You, you can't really put that in context because you have no idea what else is going on in the program and what the carrier is actually picking up or what you're responsible for as the lease operator uh, when it comes to the expenses. So I want to back up just a little bit and talk about, you know, the things you should be asking. And while the pay is important and it is a, a critical component of the programs, uh, let's make that the last question we ask. So I think one of the first things you need to ask uh, the recruiter, and by the way, these things are, it'd be very difficult to do this through a messenger application. Uh, it really probably requires a phone call to the recruiter. So maybe the first question you should ask if you're on the messaging app is, hey, when is a good time for us to connect? Uh, I have some questions about your lease program and I'd, I'd really like an opportunity to talk to you. So make that appointment, get that recruiter on the phone or, or somebody um, within, the, within the company that can answer your questions. But one of the first things you should be asking about is first of all, whose authority are you going to be running under? So are you required to have your own authority, uh, your own DOT number, or will you be running under the company or the carrier's DOT and authority number? That's probably the case. Uh, in most situations, you'll be leasing back onto that carrier. So the, the reason that's important is because if you're actually running under your own authority required to have your own DOT number, it, it costs more to do that. And if and if that were the case, then whatever they're going to pay you, obviously they need to pay you more because your expenses are higher. So that's the first thing you probably need to be asking. The next thing uh, that you want to ask is really about insurance. So as a lease operator for you, uh, am I carrying the cargo liability insurance or is that something the carrier's doing? Uh, and if I'm not required to carry those things, what insurances do I need to carry uh, as a lease operator? In our case, we ask our drivers to carry three different insurances. Uh, first one is occupational accident, which functions a lot like work comp type insurance where it's protecting you. Uh, there's a physical damage uh, insurance that you'll need to carry on the truck itself. Uh, and that will the price on that will vary depending on which vehicle you end up leasing or buying. So obviously a new truck is going to have a higher insurance uh, premium than, than maybe if you bought a three or four year old truck in a lease purchase contract. Uh, and then the last thing is what we call bobtail insurance or non-trucking liability. Um, that's uh, 
while you're with that carrier and even though you're running under their authority and under their liability insurance, there's probably going to be a time when you're not hooked to a trailer. Maybe you're bobtailing from the terminal to the house or something like that. But we need to make sure that you have liability insurance for those types of instances as well. So we call that bobtail insurance in our company. And that's just a, it's pretty minimal type expense for you. But those are the three. So uh, bobtail insurance, physical damage insurance on the truck, and then occupational accident on the driver themselves. Fuel surcharge. So this is a topic that is extremely confusing uh, to a lot of people. They just they don't understand the purpose of it. And I see comments in our messenger apps a lot of time. Um, somebody wants to know what we pay. Do we pay on percentage or per mile? And if we tell them what we pay, oftentimes I'll hear, well, that's that's not enough or it should be more. Um, but, but what they haven't asked yet is what does your fuel program look like? What is the fuel surcharge reimbursement? How about fuel discounts? So again, it's really critical that you get a full picture uh, of that company or carrier's program before you make any judgments. And by doing that, you're actually putting yourself in a place where you can compare apples to apples. So if you're looking at multiple carriers or multiple lease purchase programs at the same time, you really have to go through these questions in order to get a, a realistic picture of who's got the program that's going to be the best fit for you. When we're talking about fuel surcharge programs, they're not all created equal either. So. A couple of the questions you need to ask when you're asking about a fuel surcharge is what is uh, the base price of fuel? In our case, our base price of fuel is $1.25 per gallon. And then for every six cents above $1.25 a gallon, we'll start throwing in a penny for fuel surcharge. So at $1.31, you get a penny fuel surcharge. When it goes to $1.37, you end up with two cent fuel surcharge and the scale goes up and up and up. And you can imagine today where fuel is probably somewhere between $4.50 to $5 a gallon. Uh, I think our fuel program right now is in the, call it 55 cents, uh, 55 cents a mile range, something like that. So you're getting 55 cents a mile on top of the base contract pay. The other thing that comes into uh, consideration on the fuel surcharge programs is what is the base MPG, and I know ours is based at an average of six miles per gallon on the truck. So one of the places you could go that will, that I find helpful with that is the OIDA website, ooida.com, uh, or maybe it's a .org, but they have a resource tab or resource page there where they actually have a fuel surcharge calculator, and it will ask you those questions. What's your base price for fuel? Uh, what's the average MPG that you're looking at? And then what is the retail price of fuel this week or today? And when you plug those things in, it'll spit out what the fuel surcharge is. So it, it's, it's very helpful and it actually starts to help you comprehend and understand how fuel, sur fuel surcharge program works. A fuel surcharge program is really designed to flatten your exposure to spikes in fuel cost. So when people start asking in the industry, oh my gosh, diesel fuel is $5 a gallon, how is that affecting your operation? Well, in my case, with our customers, we have fuel surcharge programs in place, and those are there to protect us from that type of pricing 
with fuel. So it doesn't matter if it's $5, $4, $3 a gallon, our base price for diesel fuel is the same. And that's what a fuel surcharge program does. Now as a lease contractor, owner operator, we pass that fuel surcharge on to you. So you're also protected uh, from from the differentiation in the in the price of diesel fuel. So it'd be very difficult to survive in this business without some kind of protection like that because we have no control over what the retail prices of fuel are doing. So that's the that's the background on uh, fuel surcharge and why we have those programs. So it's important that you ask that. And again, not all fuel programs are created equal in the industry. The other thing um, we're talking about fuel that you probably should ask about is, hey, do you have a fuel card and do you have a fuel discount program? So fuel discounts are independent of fuel surcharge program. And again, sometimes people get those confused. Uh, but in our case, we issue every driver and contractor a, a, a fuel card. We happen to use EFS or WEX. Uh, there's multiple cards out there. We go out, we negotiate independent uh, fuel discounts with, with all the major vendors or suppliers out there. Um, and we pass those through. So in our case, we pass 100% of our fuel discount through to our owner operators, our contract drivers. So whatever we pay for fuel, that's what you get uh, paid for fuel. If you're just a solo guy, an independent um, contractor, true owner operator, your one truck, one trailer type operation, you can get uh, fuel discounts through certain fuel cards and stuff, but it would be very difficult for you to get the type of discounts that larger fleets get just because of the volume uh, that we push through there. We're, we're allowed bigger, deeper discounts. So that's an advantage too for you to lease on to a carrier and go through their program. Again, you got to ask. Um, a lot of times the fuel is it's not just a, a retail minus type situation or discount. It's not just five cent, 10 cent, 20 cent a gallon off. In our case, or most bigger carriers, you actually do a, what they call a cost plus or retail minus um, arrangement. So they give you the better deal. So cost plus, when you figure out what is the wholesale cost of that fuel, and then the vendor might tack some dollars or pennies onto that. So it might be the wholesale cost plus a nickel something like that and that becomes our cost so again as the the price of fuel fluctuates um, we get that benefit as well in, in some cases you might even get a cost minus discount deal with certain vendors uh, they're really actually taking a hit on the price of the fuel meaning they're not making any money on the fuel you're pumping in the truck but again they're trying to get you into their convenience store the restaurants uh, maybe their maintenance facilities and that's really where they're making making their profit on you so don't forget to ask about fuel cards and fuel discounts and what percentage of the fuel discount can you expect passed through to you as a contractor or owner operator. Don't forget to ask about truck payments, right? So that's a big part of it too. That usually comes up. Uh, most drivers are intuitive enough to ask about that and they understand that, you know, are you getting a brand new truck uh, or are you getting something that's three or four years old? And obviously the price uh, the weekly payment or monthly payment you're going to make is going to be reflective of that, how old your truck is. But um, 
you got to ask those questions. Again, I'm talking about the guy that's just messaged me and says, what's it pay? Well, if you're not asking all these questions to understand the background of the program and what the carrier has put together for a program for you, you're just kind of missing the point. So there's really a process here for drivers. Forget about the pay for just a minute. Let's talk about the program so the carrier can kind of paint you a picture of what that program looks like. And then let's talk about the pay and the pay should be reflective of the rest of the program. In other words, if if I run a, a program where I pick up a lot of the costs as the carrier for you, then the pay is probably going to be a little bit less what goes to you. If I don't pick up a lot of things like tolls and those type of things, then the pay to the, the contractor might be a little bit a um, little bit higher and stuff. How about your maintenance and your warranty programs? We can't forget to ask about those things. Uh, the maintenance, do they allow you a, a, an account in the shop? Does the carrier even have their own shop? And if they do, do they offer you a discounted labor rate within the shop if you continue to do maintenance there? Uh, do they offer you a discount on tires and parts? If Is that an option? Were they smaller operation where maybe they really don't have their own shop and you need to get all your maintenance and PMs done at outside facilities? You need to know that stuff, right? So when you start going out to the OEMs and getting your work done, those labor rates, I don't, I don't even know what they are right now. I'm going to guess they're $125 an hour and up. Um, in, in our case, I think right now we're at 75 bucks an hour something like that for our independent contractors or our, our lease operators. So they're getting a real break on the labor rates and things like that, along with uh, a break on the parts and tires and things they need for the truck. So you got to ask about that. And then how about warranty? Um, you know, warranty is going to, it's going to matter. You know, you're buying a new truck. Is it fully under warranty? If it is under full warranty, what does that warranty actually cover? Uh, I know we like to feel warm and fuzzy with with warranties, but you know the reality of them is they may cover kind of a bumper to bumper thing uh, the first hundred miles of the truck when it's new, but beyond that, it's usually only major components. So you're talking engine, transmission, rear ends, uh, and maybe the after treatment system in the truck. If we if you purchase that extra um, extended warranty on that. But with that being said, those warranties of those major components, you, f you feel like if your truck goes down and you have something go wrong and it's a sensor, you think, oh, I'm okay, it's under warranty. But in a lot of cases, you're, it, it's actually not covered under warranty. So the, the big warranties, the big components in the truck are kind of think about internal parts. And then uh, the OEMs, um, you know, let's they'll do just about anything they can not to cover something if they can prove that you were negligent in some way um, with the truck or maybe you didn't do something right or have the right fluids or something in it. But if they can prove that you did something wrong, it, it's a reason for them to void that warranty and, and not cover the problem for you. Uh, so another thing you could ask the carriers, hey, I buy a truck from you I understand it's probably under warranty and stuff, but let's say that truck goes down. Let's say we do have a major failure. And even if it is under warranty, meaning the cost of the repairs are going to be uh, covered, what can you do for me as the carrier 
to make sure I still have an income because if my truck's in the shop for two, three, four weeks, how am I going to make a living as a contractor? Do you have a loaner program? Um, do you do anything to help the drivers that way? So those are great questions to ask too. What additional expenses are you covering as the carrier? Um, and right now I'm thinking about toll roads, you know, what else do you pick up as the carrier or is the, the lease operator or the independent contractor expected to cover those type of things? So there could be a lot of details here. It could be a mobile comm system in the truck. Do they charge for uh, trailer rent? Do they charge, uh, is there a dispatcher fee? Uh, there's a lot of carriers out there that have a lot of different fees for this and that. And it feels like, you know, they're hitting you a hundred different ways, uh, chipping away at that paycheck you're making. So you got to have those conversations up front. Again, if you're trying to compare apples to apples, if you don't ask the right questions, you could sign on to a carrier, get into a lease program, and the first week or two down the road, you're looking at your pay stub and it's not what you expected. Well, it's because maybe we didn't ask enough detailed questions at the time. So critical that you do that. How about escrow accounts? Um, many carriers still uh, expect you to put down some kind of a performance escrow or maybe an accident escrow type thing uh, where you're expected to carry the first thousand or $2,500 of any incident or accident and they they put it in an escrow account for you so it's kind of set aside like a deductible, if you will. Now, if they require that as part of the contract, are you expected to pay that up front? You know, that's something else you have to ask about is what upfront fees are there for me as a contractor that maybe you haven't told me about yet? Um, how much cash do I need to have before I can, you know, step into this zero down lease? So there may be some surprises around the corner if you're not asking in the right questions. We happen to be a flatbed uh, carrier. So in our case, you know, our trucks are equipped with headache racks, chains, straps, tarps, uh, bungees, all those, all that securement equipment that's required to do our job. Um, how about that? Is there any other equipment that I'm required to carry that may need, may not be part of the truck, the original truck lease? Now, in our case, we set you up for success. So we give you all that stuff to start with, meaning uh, you'll have the chains, the straps, the binders, everything you need. Uh, now, if you uh, break a piece of equipment or tear a tarp or something down the road, then you would be responsible to replace it. Uh, but I know a lot of companies wouldn't even give you that stuff up front or they would say, you know, that's 3500 bucks to get you all this equipment that you need. So uh, another question you need to ask. On the reefer van side, there probably shouldn't be a lot of things. You know, maybe a guy's got to carry some load locks or something like that, but uh, maybe not a lot of exposure there to extra equipment that you need. Contract terms. What's the contract's terms of this thing? Is it uh, is it a walkaway lease? Is it a month to month? Is it an annual lease? Is it three year, four year deal? A lot of things to consider. Am I going to be locked into this? And if something changes in my life, is there a way for me to step out of this lease? Can I get out of it? Is there going to be penalties to get out of it? Uh, what does that look like? So I think those are really important things to ask too. You know, um, life happens a lot in in we all enter things with good intentions, like this is what I want to do and this is where I want to go. But if you do get thrown a curveball uh, with something and all of a sudden you can't drive over the road or maybe it's your health or something changes on you and suddenly you lose your qualification to drive, 
um, is this a lease I can just simply sign off and walk away from? Is there any penalties? Uh, what does that look like? So be sure you're asking those questions too. So that's uh, there's about 10 things there we talked about. Now that you kind of have a better picture of what this carrier's lease program might look like and the important components of it, now you can start to ask about pay. And you know, obviously the first one is, are you percentage-based or do you pay per mile? Um, and then if you are per mile or the any, do you pay empty miles? Um, and then all the accessorial or activity type um, pay that comes with that too. So again, we're flatbed in our case. What do we pay for tarping? Do we pay anything for securement, uh, strapping and chaining things down? Stop pay, um, probably not gonna be uh, breakdown pay in a, in a lease program, but you can certainly ask that. Uh, we do a little bit to protect our drivers that way as well. Um, detention, is that, you know, is there, is that written into the contract? And if so, what does that pay? Uh, assuming that you made your deliveries on time and dispatch just couldn't keep you moving or get you moving within a few hours time, is there any compensation for that? Is there any mini pays for things like short miles? Um, so a lot of, a lot of questions to ask, but we talked about a lot of things before we ever got to the pay. And my recommendation to you, anytime I make a major purchase in my life, whether it's a house, a car, whatever that looks like, I'm doing all this research, right? And I'm starting to build out a spreadsheet because I am going to compare uh, several different things there. And it's, it's just too much information to track. So without the use of a spreadsheet, it'd be very difficult to keep it all straight. Uh, be a lot of notes and a lot of scribbling in different places, I'm sure. So the spreadsheet really helps. And then when you get ready to sit down and analyze it, uh, you've got all your data right there and you can kind of compare. You're always looking at apples to apples that way. And and I think some carriers are going to really rise to the top for you. It's going to be um, pretty obvious who's who's got the better whole package. So not about pay, not just about pay. It's about the entire package because somebody can come at you saying we pay 80% or 85% of the load, but if they're paying that much of it, there's more to the story. I can almost guarantee you um, there's, there's probably a lot of expenses they haven't talked about in the package. So just make sure you're doing your homework um, and do your research and you'll be fine. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode of Driven Too Far, The Truth About Trucking. We've covered a lot of topics so far, and there's plenty more to know about the industry. And we want to hear from you. Leave us a comment on what you'd like to hear about the trucking industry, and we'll be sure to cover it in future episodes. 